Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, we come into your house this morning. We are thankful to be together. Thankful, Lord, to gather in your name to sing your praises, to be reminded of that gift at Christmas. May we focus our hearts on that this morning, Lord, as we look at your word, as we look at, Lord, um, what was spoken of some 700 plus years before it actually occurred. And the joy that they found in the midst of difficult times. One looking forward, the other experiencing it firsthand. May we, Lord, as your people, continue to look forward in joy and experience the joy that we have, Lord, that you have already given us in the Savior who makes a difference in our life. Lord, your word is so powerful because it reminds us of who we are and what we need. May you open our hearts that we would be able to hear that this morning. Open our ears, Lord, that we would take it in and not just walk away from it, but be changed, be moved to experience you in a new way. That this Christmas would be different than the others because it didn't go in one ear and out the other. It changed part of our life. And so, Lord, I ask even now that you'd begin molding us, making us, and moving us. And conform us to your will. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so we're gonna, we've been looking at some Isaiah and then something in the New Testament, which I kind of like. And so we're going to keep doing that. Uh, hopefully you realize that we're kind of like trying to tie a nice bow between the prophecy a good six, seven, 700 plus years before to when it actually occurred in the New Testament and is recorded. And so as we read Isaiah, I would, would ask that you listen for that prophecy, what was, was going to happen in the future, and then we'll look at it again in Luke. Isaiah 35.1, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to these with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstooped. Then the lame will leap like the deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, and the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where the jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. 
The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be, cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There will be a sign to you. The baby, you will find that baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of he- heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth peace good to those to on whom his favor rests may god add his blessing as we continue singing this morning lord we are so thankful i am so thankful lord for so many who have done exactly that in their life who have been more than just a pew warmer for those lord who have taken their faith so seriously that they have invested their life to share with others. Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us a great congregation of people who want to go out and serve and to encourage and to strengthen and to build up those that are the wanderers in this world in which we live today. Lord, we don't take that lightly and we don't take our spot and our position and our job and our responsibility lightly either. And so Lord, I thank you for those you have given and those you continue to prepare. Those you continue to, who step up, Lord, in those moments uh, when they are called upon and when they are needed, Lord, they don't even think twice. And Lord, for those who are just becoming a part of this journey, I pray for them, Lord, that you would strengthen and encourage their hearts, that they would see that example that is all around them, that, Lord, they would recognize in their life a need for you, that that baby Jesus would grow up a perfect sacrifice taken to the cross for our sin and shame, would be raised again that we might have eternity And Lord, that is our joy, our joy this morning. And so as we look at your word today, Lord, I pray it would be powerful because you are a powerful and mighty God. You are a God who doesn't give up, who doesn't turn his back, who never quits on his people. And so I am thankful for that this morning. Lord, may we find joy today. May we find your joy As we look at your scripture and in our lives, Lord, may we look for that joy this Christmas season. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
And they're off. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't want to, Mom. Good morning. So I'm, I'm, I got an issue here. I'm going to fix it. Sorry. You know how when you're, uh, the string is like this, I'll be talking like this all morning if I don't fix it now. And that would be ridiculous. Yes. Oh, hey, I'm going to invite Vicky up because uh, <laughs> that's where we need to start. Thank, don't worry, Vicky. I, I didn't forget, but I did. So thank you for smiling at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I My first thought, that's creepy. <laughs> no. <laughs> thank you. If Jesus comes again to us this Christmas, and if Jesus dwells within each of us, shouldn't that make a difference in who we are and how we live our lives? Hear these words from 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. If we seek Jesus, who is born in the manger, Shouldn't we be at peace among ourselves? Help the weak and the poor. Not repay evil for evil, but always do good to one another. In all circumstances, give thanks. As we light this third candle, let us remember that this is the will of God in Christ Jesus who comes to us. Thank you, Vicky. Appreciate that. Well, this is our third week of Advent. If you're uh, doing your Advent candle at home or uh, the Advent calendar, you're about 15 days into the chocolate. I'm 15, right? 15 days. I'm 15 days into the chocolate. So I never did an Advent calendar before, but Brentley was nice enough to pick one up. And how bad can it be? You get chocolate every day. I mean, I'm not sure that was the point of it, but. But I thought, hey, I'm, I'm attached. I mean, every morning I get up, I'm like, one more chocolate. So this week is the third week. I'm pretty sure that wasn't the reason that was, he was giving it to me, but it did help me. I'll be sure to buy one with bigger chocolate next year. <laughs> this is our third week of Advent, and I don't know if you noticed, we lit the pink candle. Remember, I told you I'd figure out what that was uh, before today, which I did. Um, I didn't know this. Uh, maybe you do. Uh, pink is the liturgical color of joy. Now, that's a mouthful, and I don't really know what that I mean. I, I understand what it means, but that, is, that color represents joy. And so most Advent candles, uh, wreaths have a pink one, and that's the third week. Um, I don't know about you, but there's like that little bit of OCD. It's like, I can't handle this. They all need to be different. Or they all need to be the same, but 
<laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's the, it, it stands for joy. And um, we have discussed hope. You remember the first week we t- discussed, we talked about hope. We talked last week about preparation or peace. And uh, next week we will be talking about love. And Christmas Eve we'll be lighting the Christ candle, which is in the middle. Uh, as we begin, uh, when we begin the service on Christmas Eve. We're, we're quickly beco- moving towards the crescendo of Christmas, are we not? If you're a musician and you've been at one of those orchestras, you know where we're headed, right? It's getting a little louder, it's getting a little faster, it's getting more exciting. We are getting close to Christmas. And if, you're, if you re- didn't realize, uh, you better order your Amazon stuff quick, because you're about out of time, kids. Um, I got an email that said, if you don't order by, it wasn't Amazon, but it was another company. If you don't order by Monday, you're not going to get it before Christmas. You'll enjoy it before the new year. (laughs) Okay, I get you. So, uh, time is flying, is it not? I think that's what the Advent candle or calendar has done for me. It's made me realize how fast time goes in December. I just keep ripping those little things off and getting chocolates like. So the scripture in Isaiah talks about a parched land, a land that's dried up, shriveled up, nothing alive, nothing uh, moving, nothing uh, good. Uh, Isaiah talks about this parched uh, area with, uh, with people who had feeble hands, void of strength, no strong. They were fearful and blind, and in the, they had no ability to talk. They were deaf. Did you see the little part that says that sand was burning and it will go from burning to pools of water? And I guess if you're in a desert and everything's dried up and, and hot and uh, ridiculously sticky or dry or whatever it is, anything, those things were good things to come. But this picture was a picture of a very dry and uh, just not a good place to be hanging out. And he talks about these wanderers these wanderers who've been wandering around, and we know those are the Israelites, right? They left Egypt and they wandered, and then they would, they would wander some more, and then they would wander some more, and then they would wander some more, and they struggled uh, to see where God was working. Mind you, this is a, a passage that talks uh, 700 years before Jesus would come on the scene. And so there's a lot of time they had to wander. And I don't know about you, when you're wandering and you don't know where you're headed, it gets old quick, does it not? You're like, where am I going and what am I doing? It seems like we do way better in life when we know where we're headed, right? We know we're going to go this place, and even if it's hard, it's easier to get there. But when we're just wandering around, not having a clue, it gets pretty old pretty quick. And so Isaiah is saying, listen, it's not going to be this ugly desert forever. The flowers are going to bloom. The water's going to be there. Things are going to come to life in God's timing. Now, I want to talk just a minute about this picture. Um, if, and if you haven't figured out, the, uh, it looks terrible on that screen. It looks way better on that screen. Um, my, kids, my kids were in California, and they said, you know, Everything looks like the brown. It's dry. It's crusty. There isn't anything. There's tumbleweeds. There's nothing alive in the area where they were at in California. They, live in the de- they lived in the desert. They've since moved. 
and everything was brown. And it, there's a reason they, they didn't have, you had to be very careful about fires and all those things because if you let one, one spark could light the whole place on fire. There was nothing alive. Everything was burned, dried. Uh, this is the place where my son-in-law made cookies in his car. If I haven't told you that story, he decided it was 215 degrees inside of his car. And the engineer in this young man decided somewhere figured out that you could cook cookies in your car. Um, and so, you know, he had, a, not once, but twice, he had to bake chocolate chip cookies inside of his car to Proved to himself that he could make cookies without any oven uh, because it was so hot and dry and uh, just arid temperatures. My kids were telling me two years ago, though, uh, if you didn't know, Southern California had the most water it had had in like 30 years. The most precipitation. Mind you, they don't even have ditches on their roads because there's no such thing as precipitation. My daughter said, you know, they would go to concerts and they would have these big equipment uh, things out and there would be nothing to cover them. She said, it never rains. You don't need anything to cover them. But this two years ago, they had the, one of the longest or one of the uh, most, most rain they've ever had. And she said, you know, Dad, it, as soon as it rained, things started to come to life. And as it came to life, it was beautiful. And she said, it almost looked like New Zealand. It looked like uh, Lord of the Rings, when they're looking at the beautiful mountains, and she said, everything was green, and the flowers bloomed. I think it was the year Dan Chumack was out there walking, because I, he's got some pictures of that, showing pictures, and it was not, that was not normal, uh, a normal summer uh, for them. And she said, it's beautiful. Because it had rained, all those seeds were in the ground, and everything began to come alive. And that's what Isaiah is talking about in this passage. He said, it's not going to be like this forever. It's not going to be a dry desert. It's not going to be dead. It's going to come alive. Because he said, it was dark, and it is dark right now, but it's going to become something very much alive and awake. <clears throat> and in the scripture in Luke, he says, don't be afraid because I bring you good news of, of great joy, for, which is for all the people. For this day in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That is that lush, beautiful, green uh, moment in life. It wasn't always going to be this desert. It was going to be uh, God was coming uh, through Jesus Christ to save. They had talked about it for so long. Remember last week we talked about it even in Genesis God said, listen, look forward to this Savior. He's coming. He is coming in time. And he finally gets on the scene in Luke chapter 2. So let's just talk a minute about joy. What did you hear in that countdown? I'm going to ask you that question because I thought the countdown did a great job talking about joy. Uh, that young man was in the midst of some... some uh, very rough spots, and yet he heard this voice of a young lady, a child singing. And he goes on to say, joy is not happiness, right? We want joy to be, oh, I'm happy, I'm giddy, uh, life is good. Joy is, the, is not that. Joy is finding peace and comfort and patience, resting in God's timing 
uh, even in the rough times. That is what joy looks like. And so today as we look at that joy, we realize that life's struggles can be challenging, but they don't have to take our joy. They don't have to erase the joy in our life. So the circumstances that we are in, and each of us has a different pile, right? We all, we call it baggage. We like, it's, I like it, luggage. We all carry around some luggage of things in life, struggles in life, things that aren't going well, things that irritate us, whatever they are. Joy is bigger than those. Do you remember this passage? Uh, you can't read the passage uh, in James. It's probably everyone's favorite passage, right? It says, count it all joy when you face or fall into various trials, knowing that the rest testing of your faith produces patience. So I'll ask you that question. Can you count it all joy this morning? Can you get there? I'm not sure you can get there um, because I know our humanness gets in the way. I want to get there, right? And then my humanness gets in the way. And somehow, some way, it's a supernatural uh, thing of God that can get us to that joy. Because, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of challenges in our life that want to steal our joy. And so, in this passage, we're going to look at uh, what joy can give us uh, this morning. Joy can give us strength uh, in the struggle. Uh, did you see in verse uh, 3 in Isaiah, it says, Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with feel, fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear. Your God will come and you will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come and He will save you. Oh, that's weird. How did that get there? Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. I don't, that's weird. It might have just been me. It scared me for a minute because I was like, oh, I lost everything. It says, strengthen your feeble hands and steady the knees that give way. Do you ever feel like there's a moment when you can't get up and you'll not get out of bed another day and that you just don't know if you want to continue on? God will give you strength in the midst of your struggle. Trust me, it's not your own strength. It's God's strength. Did you ever hear the guy named Nehemiah? Did you ever hear that guy? He's in the Old Testament. He says, he got his own book. Pretty cool, huh? There's this guy named Nehemiah. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. Uh, Nehemiah is a cupbearer uh, for the king of Persia. He's an Israelite, but he's been... Uh, he's not in Israel at the time. And if you don't know what a cupbearer is, it's an interesting job. I don't know if you want to try this, we probably could get you hooked up somewhere, right? So the cupbearer's job is this. He's to pour the wine for the king, and he has one responsibility. Do you know what his responsibility is? Taste. To taste it. Well, that sounds like a great job, right? Here's the dilemma. If one of his enemies tried to poison him, guess who takes the fall? Cupbearers are easy to replace. <laughs> Tough job, right? 
Easy job as long as the enemies aren't trying to get him. Tough job if the enemies are trying to get him. So his job was, so he had a very close connect with the king. And he heard this message that his people were coming back to Jerusalem. They were starting to filter back into Jerusalem, but there was a problem. You know what the problem was? The walls were trashed. The city outside, was, it was just hammered. It was beaten down, beat up. And Nehemiah felt God's call to go back and to build and rebuild the walls. And so he prays to God. It's a really cool prayer. He prays to God that the king will realize there's something wrong with Nehemiah. And when he talks to the king, the king says, what is, what's up? What, there's something wrong. And Nehemiah says, listen, I need to go back and uh, begin to build the walls and to build the walls for my people. And the king gives him that uh, opportunity to do that. And he goes back, and I tell you this story because it's an interesting story, right? We think if God is in this story, right, and God is in Nehemiah's life, and God put this person to let him know that the wall was broken, and then he needs to go home, and he needs to take care of it, it's going to turn out perfect, right? He's going to go back, he's going to be the hero, and everything's going to go great. And that's exactly what didn't happen. Nehemiah went back, and guess what happened? People made fun of him for building the wall. They mocked him. They harassed him. The enemies tried to kill him. He went back and he had struggles. He tried to build the wall. He was building the wall. They would put up the wall and they would be just, I and mean, it's not just this little wall, right? We're not talking about just a couple feet of wall. We're talking about a whole city wall around Jerusalem. And Nehemiah continued to do what God had for him. And he found joy in the midst of that struggle. And in verse 8, they finally get to the point um, where they've moved back in. Back in. Back in. That's ridiculous. He moved back, they moved back in and, and uh, Nehemiah said to, their, to the people, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those to those who have none prepared. This is a holy day to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that, that story reminds me that the joy of the Lord is in, in God and in His strength, not on our own uh, standing. And not on our own strength. And I... Okay, we're going to go the wrong way. Because that's the one I want. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at. Right? I don't know what your struggles are. I don't know what it took to get here this morning. I don't know how hard this week has been. But I know this. God reminds me, hold on, I'm coming to the rescue. Isaiah says, listen, hang on, there is a Savior coming. And in Luke, he says, listen, the Savior is here, it's a good day. I bring you great tidings. A Savior has been born, a deliverer, someone who will deliver you from your sins. And there's a whole lot of joy when you know you're going to be rescued. The second thing that we can learn about joy, maybe, there we go. The angel says, listen, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Good news 
of great joy, even though everything else was pretty rough at the moment. He says, I bring you good news. Did you see that he says, don't be afraid? I wonder how, I, I, as I was thinking this week about uh, things that steal our joy. Do you realize how fear steals our joy? It takes away uh, the ability to see where God's working. And sometimes it takes a bit away the ability to act on those things God's have called us to because we are afraid that we will make the mistake. I don't know if you remember this movie. Uh, it's a 2015 movie. It wasn't, I don't know how well it was. Anybody ever see the movie called The 33? Good. That's perfect. I thought for some, sure someone. If you're a claustrophobic, you're not going to want to like watch this movie. Um, just giving you a heads up. So this movie is based on a true story from uh, Chile. In 2010, in August of 2010, uh, miners were in a copper and uh, gold mine in San Jose. Uh, they were f- the, the, the trail to get to where they were was four and a half miles. It zigzagged 2,300 feet under the Earth's surface. These men were... Uh, Miners, mining gold and silver, or gold and copper, I'm sorry. When the shaft collapsed. 33 men buried 2,300 feet under the surface of the earth. That, it boggles my mind. I remember watching it. And we're talking about, in a lot of ways, a third world country and not near the resources to make it happen to get them back out. So these men are in, uh, in this mine shaft, in this little area of safety. 33 men. And of course, what do you do? How do you get out of that, right? You're stuck. The shaft collapses and the chance of their survival was less than 1%. even with less than 1%, they begin to bring drillers in. Uh, water, they were, one was a water driller. One was, one was a company from actually from Pennsylvania. The one that made the uh, shaft and it actually worked was the one from Pennsylvania. But there were three different shafts. They were trying to dig, uh, drill a hole 2,300 feet deep. I don't know the engineering understanding of that, but I realized that there's this um, deflection that happens as you're drilling that far. And so it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack to drill that far down to get the angles right to figure out how to intersect with a, with a, a tunnel some 2,300 feet deep. All that being said, they were able to drill a first hole, which was an air hole, and then work to drill a hole that was 26 inches deep. I'm sure glad I wasn't down there because I'm not sure I'd fit through that hole. Three months. I'd have to quit. That's right. I'd have the right motivation to get out, right? If you don't like, if you're claustrophobic, you don't even want to look at the videos. I mean, it's just like, those men would end up being down there for three months until October. As they drilled that hole, 
and they would send, they sent medicine and water and food um, through these small holes they had built to try to, to keep them alive. They sent equipment to uh, be able to communicate. But three months, we're talking August to October, they were in that shaft. And somehow they sustained their life in the midst of that. So they end up building a 26-inch hole and they had this little capsule and they would, it would take an hour to take the capsule all the way down and all the way back up. And they, would, and they literally in October, one at a time, they had to build a cement pad that had to, they had to wait until the cement was solid enough to build the, uh, the, uh, the big pulley system. It was, it's crazy. True story. And as they finally come out in a, at the end, in the middle of October, you gotta wonder how it felt. I'm, I'm pretty sure most of them, uh, none of them went back to doing the mining. I wouldn't either. <laughs> but there was victory in getting out. The victory was I made it out of that hole uh, with less than 1% chance. There was a victory in understanding that as scary as it was to be trapped in the bottom of this mine, there was hope when they were rescued. And I don't know about you, but there's hope in the good news that we have been rescued. That Jesus Christ has come and would come and be born and be raised and live a perfect life. And that is our way out. See, this, the Jews didn't... This wasn't the first time they were, uh, were joyful. The Jews were joyful when they left Egypt. And in Psalms it talks about uh, God brought His people with rejoicing, His chosen ones with shouts of joy. When they came out of Egypt, there was joy. And so they had recognized from before there was joy. And even though time had passed, this long chunk of time from when they left Egypt... They still knew that there was a way out, and they had those stories. And sometimes for us, we need to hang on the stories of where God has worked in the past until He works again. Because sometimes we, we forget. We get really shallow and narrow-minded and have short memories. And we forget that God is still working in the back of our life. And finally, he talks about a protected way. Did you see that there was a highway of holiness? He calls it. And I don't know about you, but it, I see a picture that looks like a nice pretty highway of holiness. Something set apart. Something that I could walk along. And he says, it's only for those who walk the way. The unclean will not journey on it. The lions will not be there. There will not be things there that will tear or take away. It's protected. A pathway. All because of this baby, this baby Jesus, who would come that we could walk that way of holiness. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know... Where you, what you think about that idea. But I know this. This child would come and be born 
that we might have a new path, that we didn't have to walk the path of destruction. This is a path of holiness, and Jesus came that we would have that. Probably the most famous scripture, even if you don't know scripture, you know this one, right? Just watch a football game. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This Christmas can be different than the other Christmases. Because we have joy that Jesus continues to work in our life. And continues to change the things in our life um, and be there no matter what's going on. I encourage you to take some time and reflect on the sacrifice. And to find the joy in your life, even in the midst of hard times and difficult moments, in loss, in pain. There are things to be, we can be joyful for. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning knowing that you are the author of joy. That, Lord, we have a choice to make in our life whether we're going to follow you or do our own thing. Lord, we recognize that doing our own thing always leads to the way of destruction. Sure, it might be fun for a time, it might seem better for a time. But the Scriptures tell us that there is a way that seems right to man and it leads to destruction. And so Lord, we ask that You would send reminders into our lives. That You would encourage our faith. That Lord, we would, would lean solely upon You that we would find our joy in the midst of dark and uh, difficult moments, that we would find our joy in You. You sent Your Son, Lord. They looked forward to this Deliverer, someone who would deliver them from the wanderings of their life. And You sent Your Son, Jesus, to do exactly that, to deliver us from the evil we had done. Thank You for that Deliverer in our lives. Thank You for Jesus dying on that cross that, Lord, that we have the opportunity to be changed. Lord, we have the opportunity to find joy in the midst of dark and difficult times. First, by giving our lives to You. And then resting solely upon You. And finding our strength in You. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a highway of holiness that might direct our paths. In your name we pray. Amen.